I know. I just, I wonder what makes me more emotionally invested at 40 than I was at 16. I don't know. We'll never know. Well, you experienced love. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And mental breakdowns. You can relate on so many more levels. Yeah. Back to you, Bob. Welcome to Back to You, Baba Dawson's Creek Podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 221, Ch Ch Changes, which originally aired on May 19th, 1999. We're right there. We're knocking on summer. We are right there. It's Billy's birthday. Mutual friend Billy and his two triplet siblings. Triplets. Oh my God. Yeah. Taurus. It's Taurus season. No, it's Gemini season. Has it crossed over into Gemini season? Yeah. I know so many Geminis. What are they known for? They have two sides, so it's just... Great. So they could do anything. Justify it. It's May 19th, you said? Yeah. Straight people are going to prom. We're coming up on Memorial Day weekend. MDW, if you are going down the shore, pump those fists. If you have a lake house, if you're rich, if you have a boat. Oh, love a boat. Love a lake. Love a lake. Well, if I were on a lake... I would want to be drinking a farewell fizz, which is what we're drinking right now. It is a take on the French 75. It is gin, simple syrup, lemon juice, and champagne. Crisp, refreshing. You're in your gin era. I am in my gin era. I'm also drinking a nice coffee because it's eight in the morning here. <laughs> and I need my caffeine. Sometimes we have to record early. Sometimes we record late. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> it's a great drink for an amazing episode. Amazing. Absolutely. Why don't you tell us what it's about? I think I will. We open in Dawson's bedroom with Dawson and Joey, and he is reviewing his latest film assignment. He needs to compare and contrast Humphrey Bogart's character arc from Casablanca to someone in his real life. So he goes to the people in his life who've undergone a big change this year. There's Joey, there's Jen, there's Pacey, but none of them really want to be the focus of his project. So he settles on Joey's father, Mike. He's had the biggest transformation of all between getting out of jail for drug trafficking, and now he's on his way to becoming a pillar of the community at the Ice House, which he's renovating and adding a whole new dining room to. He even has some of his friends from the Marines helping him with the construction. While Dawson interviews him, Mike enlists him to help with the new build. Joey doesn't love the fact that the last three years are being dredged up on video, and she does not like this investigative reporter hat that Dawson's wearing. They get into a spat about it. Mike says in Dawson's video that the truth is he doesn't know if he's really changed or undergone this big arc, but he tries every day. He's trying every day because of his family and family is the most important thing. It's what motivates him to do better and be better. Later when they make up, Joey tells Dawson the reason she got so scared and upset with him is because dredging up the past is terrifying to her. Right now she has everything she's ever wanted. She has him, her dad's back, the ice house is doing well, she's happy. All she's missing is the white picket fence. This is literally the happiest she's ever been. The next day, Joey wakes up to a little white picket fence that Dawson stayed up the whole night making for her, putting his new construction skills to good use. Andy, meanwhile, wakes up to her father, who, as we know, Jack called last episode after Andy's relapse. Their dad is very worried. 
and he shocks them when he says he wants to move Andy and Jack back home to Rhode Island. Jack had no idea that his dad would do this. This is, of course, very upsetting to them, and they insist that they have it handled here. When Pacey gets interviewed for Dawson's project, he realizes the reason his life changed so much this year is because of Andy. She's the reason he had such a drastic character arc. He feels helpless now that there's nothing he could do to help her the way she helped him. So Pacey makes a desperate plea to Andy's dad, and Jack does too. After this, Mr. McPhee decides that it's up to Andy whether she wants to leave with him or not to get the help she needs in Cape Side or back in Rhode Island. Pacey and Andy have a romantic evening that ends in the same spot that they had their first dance and their first kiss. Andy reveals to Pacey that she's decided to leave with her father and go back to Rhode Island. She's not getting any better here, and it's getting really bad. Pacey is devastated, but he's not surprised. He knows that she needs to do this, and the two of them dance their final night away together. Jen and Jack, meanwhile, get close this episode when they run into each other, and he asks her how long she's planning to live at Dawson's. Jack encourages Jen to reach out to her parents in New York City. Maybe they've changed too. Maybe she's not the only one who went through a big change this year. Maybe they're ready for her to come back. So she calls them and they tell her that they are not ready for her to return. And she's devastated. Jack, meanwhile, has a talk with his dad about his being gay and how it's not a choice like Jack's dad thinks it is. It's a real struggle for his dad to wrap his head around it. He tells Jack that he not only wants to get them back to Rhode Island to get Andy help for her mental illness, but he also wants to get Jack help for his confusion and his homosexuality. They're just not speaking the same language. Jack tells his dad that no matter what Andy decides, he's staying in Cape Side. Jack runs to the bus station just in time to catch Jen from leaving. She says she's headed back to New York City and she doesn't need her parents or anyone. Jack tells her that they both have these parents that don't understand them the way they are right now. And that's okay. If they were in their right minds, they would love them and support them, but they're not. Jack won't let her leave. He says he's going to need a roommate now and he invites Jen to come and live with him and the two walk off together. So Pacey and Andy say their goodbye, even though they promise not to do so. Pacey says he's looking forward to the day that she's healthy and they're together again. She says her knees are shaking just like the first night they danced and kissed. And he said his heart is pounding just like that night too. They say their goodbye and she drives off with her dad and leaves Cape Side with Jack and Pacey in her rear view. At the end of the episode, Dawson walks into the ice house and is blown away by what he sees. He sees Joey's dad and his old friends holding bags of drugs. They don't see him, and Dawson runs out, horrified by what he has just seen. And that is episode 221, Ch-ch-changes. Things are changing. I can't even. I My emotions this episode. Oh, Lord. Who wrote it? Well, it was written by Dana Barada. Most recently, she was with us for episode 217, Psychic Friends. We know her. We love her. Such a good episode. So well written. Ties a lot of that. stuff up. Opens up some new stuff. Things are happening. Things are happening. Who directed it? It was directed by Lou Antonio. You oh, may remember we him. We love that Lou Antonio. We love him. He directed 105 The Hurricane, a pod fave. Pod fave. He, he directed 206 The Dance, and he's back with us for this episode. He is the one, I don't know if you remember, but he has like a million directing credits, a million acting credits. And I just was like reviewing everything today to brush back up on him. And his 90th birthday was in January. He is 90 years old. God. Good for it's him. No. What's the Good. secret? Just Good kidding. I don't him. want to live that long. <laughs> that's a long that's a long life. Well, he's not still working, is he? No, he's not still working. His last credit was in like 2007, I think. 
Wow. Well, what about guest cast shout out? There's no one new in this episode, but I just wanted to shout out David Dukes playing Mr. McPhee. He's so good. I feel like this episode, you know, the first episode, he was just kind of that stern, hard ass. He still is in this one, but you see those little cracks on the exterior starting to show. And I just think he's a great actor. He is. All the parents, I mean, are just so good. I've said it before and we'll say it again. We will say it every damn time. <laughs> you didn't oh. want to give the guest cast shout out to Mike Potter's old druggy friend. He's helping <laughs> do it. He no. had no lines, but he's helping with the construction. Yeah. What was his name, Dave? I don't remember what his name was, but they were in the Merchant Marines together and they are talking about it. Commiserating. Can I ask a dumb question? Are you going to ask me what the Merchant Marines are? Because I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask if the Merchant Marines are real. Because I oh. only ever hear of it in the context of television shows, like soap operas specifically. So I'm like, is it like mm. a fake section of the Marines? I'm going to like insult like the military. I, and we're going to get the, angry comments being like, Wah. I think the Merchant Marines are real. Do I know what they do? No. <laughs> All I know is that Bo Brady and... Patch from Days of Our Lives were in the Merchant Marines. And now mm. Mike Potter and his old friends are in the Merchant Marines. I've never met anyone in real life who says the term Merchant Marines, only soap opera characters. The United States Merchant Marines is an organization composed of United States civilian mariners and U.S. civilian and federally owned merchant vessels. I don't know what those words are, especially <laughs> all strung together. <laughs> okay, so the Merchant Marines are real. We're basically Mythbusters. Basically. We're just doing the Lord's work over here. Now, music moments. Good Lord. Go ahead, you go first. The chokehold, that paper cup by Heather Nova. I've been listening to it two days straight. (laughs) So good. On repeat. It's going to be in my Spotify top 10 of 2024 for sure. I've been listening (laughs) on repeat. It's the best song of the episode. They play it twice during Pacey and Andy's dance and their goodbye. The song that plays when Jen, Jen approaches Graham's house to say goodbye, but she doesn't knock. That was a famous song, too. Cry Ophelia by Adam Cohen. I liked the song, too, in Andy's room when Andy and Pacey were talking about going on a date. It was called Going Our Way, Gus. It wasn't familiar to me, but I liked it. I used to love Gus. Like, he has songs that just popped up on shows, and I would, you know, Spotify, or not Spotify, LimeWire and Winamp them. Gus had some jams, for sure. Well, he's here. The music was really good in this episode. I was living. It was good. You texted me and told me to watch with the original music. And that was the right call because I rewatched it without the original music and it didn't hit the same. Yeah. I did want to shout out the website that has the original music. So because a few people have DM'd and I haven't gotten back to them. So if you if you Google True Love Edition Dawson's Creek, it's like the third or fourth link. It says DC True Love Edition digital version. You can watch the originals with the music. The original music is a must for this episode. It's a must. So if you're one of those people that listens to us first and then watches, watch with the original music. And if you're someone who watched it with the new music on Amazon or whatever, you need to go back and watch it. Certainly the Pacey and Andy scenes. I was going to say, at least those scenes. They definitely are amplified by the music. What is your past versus present? The only thing that struck me this time that had never struck me originally. So... Dawson's trying to make this project. Joey is like, why won't you just turn the camera on yourself? You know, she has this whole moment and he's like, because I think that you will realize that I'm not great and that you're better than me and whatever. He has his little moment. He he would rather 
dredge up every single unresolved traumatic thing in Joey's life through interviewing her father in front of her. He's just a loser, man. Dawson sucks. Look, he's selfish, but they that's his character and they stick to it and they're not going to let up. I know. If you've had someone die, he's going to talk about how it affects him. <laughs> if your dad went to jail, he's going to talk about how it affects him. I mean, at least they're consistent. Well, I'll tell you what my past versus present is. Yes. I could tell you when I was 16 years old watching this, I wasn't full body sobbing like I was <laughs> yesterday. I was, I'm not even joking you, full body crying, <laughs> like Blair Witch, snot everywhere. At these Pacey and Andy scenes, I don't know what is wrong with me. I'm going through some type of mental breakdown. You are in an emotional time in your life. So <laughs> we will. You're so rude. What I'm saying is I didn't cry. I guess. Oh, my God. Not only did I sob, I then took the dog on a walk and then watched <laughs> the scenes over again and cried on my walk. So, yeah, that's a big past versus present. <laughs> I don't even think I cried until I was like 30. Now I cry every day. But the other past versus present, you've already touched on it, uh, how layered Mr. McPhee is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be the dad that he is. He has no choice in it. He can't help it. He doesn't understand it. And that's something I never picked up on. I thought he was just kind of one-dimensional villain. And the look on his face a few times, he really wants to understand Jack, and he just doesn't. That's something I never picked up on before. There was that moment where you could tell he had so much on the tip of his tongue, but he doesn't say any of it, of like wanting to have that emotional connection with him and he just leaves instead. Yeah. That's the 90s for you. Yeah. I wrote talking points down. Where are they? Shall we open it up now that you found your talking points? I didn't find them. Are they on this little post-it? No. <laughs> Wait, are they in my phone? Are they in my drafts? Was that a dream I had? I wrote down these talking points. Speaking of dreams, I don't have any. My dreams are dead. Move on. <laughs> I didn't realize until watching this episode, I have a dream every now and then where I'm in like a restaurant and there's a little unfinished, like being built and renovated room to the side. And I'm 99% mm -hmm. certain that I've been dreaming about the ice house. And I did not put that together until n this rewatch. Do you think you have this recurring dream because like you think of Dawson's I think that I think that I saw it in Dawson's it I probably rewatched it so much that that space was like implanted in my brain but I don't recognize I have not recognized until this rewatch for like at least the last 10-15 years that that I think is the place that I'm dreaming of wow the power the impact I've been incepted that's crazy you know what recurring dream I have? It's um, this actually <laughs> happened to me, but not to me. Oh my God, I'm being Dawson. I'm making this about me. <laughs> so I was in the plays, in the musicals, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gay. <laughs> Although I wasn't gay then. I mean, I was. You get it. The final performance of the final play of my final spring musical, I didn't go on stage. I was too busy talking backstage and I, I missed my cue. And it's just funny that like my high school acting career ended that way and i have that dream i have that dream that it's like i'm back in the hallway someone comes out and they're like micah you're missing your cue and i i missed it so traumatizing maybe it means i have regrets could be i dream regularly that i'm walking onto stage and there's like people on stage 
and I don't know what play it is and I don't know what character I'm playing and I just walk out and they're all looking at me waiting for me to deliver my lines and I don't know what they are oh my god another dream I have is um we had locks on our <laughs> locker like we we had our own locks that we had to take home every June and like bring back in the fall and if mm-hmm. you didn't you got like detention and you got you had to pay for a new one that's a lot that's a lot and I have a dream where I like forget my locker. I don't know which locker number I am. I forgot my lock. I don't know where. I, I have that dream where I don't remember my code all the time. My locker uh, code. What does it mean? It's a universal experience. What are we going to talk about? Oh, we're opening it up. We're opening it up. We're opening it up. And let's talk about this Dawson VO. This is new for us. And you know what? I didn't like it. VO is, of course, voiceover. For anyone yes voice it doesn't know it, it was a weird it was a little bit of a choice i don't know why he couldn't just be talking to joey which is what i thought he was doing initially no he's not but he's saying i need to do a project about the character arc and i should do it on miss kennedy because she's a monster he's <laughs> got to get over this miss kennedy thing it's awkward he has so much et stuff in his room like what is the deal you wouldn't get it he's into film you wouldn't get it but he also has a lava lamp, which I did have. So did I. Mine was yellow. I kind of want to get one now. Too old. Please. You're too old for a lava lamp. A little. Nah. I think you're the perfect age for a lava lamp. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lava lamp and he's drinking Snapple. And I know Snapple still exists, but I haven't had one in like 10 years. And Snapple to me just screams 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The way I pounded those lemon iced teas. You don't even understand. I liked strawberry kiwi. Is that what it was? I forget. Yeah. Give me that sugar. What's better than the little pop of the lid off the glass bottle? The only thing better is reading the Snapple facts underneath. And then you're like, is it true? Is it not true? I have to go online to find out if it's true. Oh, yeah. Do you know my world was shook when I found out that like not all the Snapple facts were facts? Only like some of them. Really disappointing. You're like, wait, giraffes don't have 12 toes? Oh, man. Speaking of giraffes, Andy's dad. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to. Mr. McPhee. Mr. McPhee. You know who Mr. McPhee talked to? Dr. Sumner. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation? You love her. Yeah. Where's that spinoff? That should have been on the website as like a bonus scene. Did we ever talk about the website where you could like log on and like see Dawson's like notes? You t- Yes, you did. You talked about it. You talked about Dawson's trash. <laughs> It was his trash bin that you could like open and like see like his drafts of his. Right, 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 right. We talked about it in the episode where Andy and Pacey are like separated and the the two-parter. Yes, you're so right. You and that memory of yours. You know, Mr. McPhee's not a bad looking guy. I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. He is so good looking in his IMDb photo, which is from his like early days. He is a good looking guy. Well, we already actually talked about we wouldn't kick anyone out of bed for eating food. We talked about that last episode too. If you need to know what we've talked about, I've got a steel trap. I mean, everyone in this show is in their hot era. Dad's included. Mr. McPhee is wearing his little golf shirts tucked into his pleated khakis. And Joey's dad is building a a wing of a restaurant. And we like a guy who's good with his hands, even if he's been to prison. You know who isn't good with his hands? Dawson. And who's surprised by that? No one. Well, he gets better. He builds a white picket fence. It's just a little broken. I liked when Joey said, you've already immortalized my likeness on film without my consent. Did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> Loved this that. Is when he asked, this is when he asked if she'll be the focus of his project. And she's like, no, you've already done that to me. But she wasn't. She didn't mean it the way it sounded. She was joking, but... 
But was she? There was a little bite to that. There's no such thing as a joke. Oh my God, <laughs> says the comedy writer. <laughs> RIP, my comedy career. <laughs> so when Jen is being interviewed, Jen changes. When Jen is being interviewed by Dawson to do the film, she's joking. She said, oh my God, I've undergone such a change this year. She's talking about her hair. And she said, oh, a girl cutting her hair is such a huge change in her life, which is like a call forward to that fall when Felicity cuts her hair. Oh. I mean, it's not a call forward. I'm just saying it's kind of ominous. Sure. No, that was the most talked about haircut of all time, I feel like. Well, at that time. Of all time. But when Dawson's interviewing Jen, there's a Cape Side High Philharmonic Orchestra. I'd love to look at the background. Cape Side High has a Philharmonic Orchestra flyer. How many kids go to this school? Tons. You remember last episode with the <laughs> the quad. quad. Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds, thousands. Like, I feel like in order to have clubs and activities and arts like that, you have to have thousands of kids. And it's a public school, so the taxes must be through the roof in Cape Side High. I mean, Cape Side. So poor Dawson cannot find someone to do this. Joey says no. Jen says no. And then he asks Pacey, who's undergone an amazing character arc, but he's like, don't choose me. I can't help the one person I want to help, which is Andy. Yeah, Pacey and Jack really would have been his two best guests, and neither of them are prepared or willing to do it because they're going through it with Andy. Yeah, they're basically like, F off, Dawson. No one cares about your little project. Like, we've got real problems, Dawson. I'm gay. My girlfriend's seeing dead people, and I'm gay. The piece of background like poster that caught my attention was the order your class ring it was like order your class ring now with a picture of a class ring on it and it really gave me like i felt it in my body of like picking what you wanted on your class ring i don't know if you got to do that core memory i love my ring i don't know where it is somewhere in my parents house oh my god it's big and it's thick and it's black and silver and it has like the drama faces um on the side mine too oh my god were you in the place Yeah, I was. I got the star award of 2003. You were the lead? I wasn't the lead in the senior year play. I was, it was How to Succeed in Business and I was Smitty. You did How to Succeed in Business without really trying? Yeah. So did we. Oh my God. If I can't take my coffee break. (laughs) That was my song. Oh my God. I know exactly (laughs) what role you had. That was me. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love How to Succeed. I've never sounded gayer. (laughs) I got to walk onto stage and say, I don't even remember the line, but it was something about being a nymphomaniac. And I was like, ha ha, like a little 18 year old. I always had one line in the place, as you talked about in my line for our town was, ah, yeah, right, smart farm. <laughs> I don't know what it meant. <laughs> Please say it again. Ah, yeah, right, smart farm. A-Y-A, right, smart farm. But I had to say it in some weird Massachusetts, <laughs> New England accent. <laughs> It was my one line. Ah, yeah, right, smart, mom. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I always, she always gave me these roles where it was like a big, fat, like eccentric, <laughs> like he had glasses and like wore crazy outfits. Like in Sound of Music, I was some like, <laughs> I was some like Nazi at a party <laughs> that just has one line and then the focus shifts to the Von Trapps or whatever. I was like the eccentric Nazi party guest. Uh, eccentric Nazi party guest number two. <laughs> Can I just tell you what brings me back? Yeah. Ja- all, everything of Jack's wardrobe. Like I had, I mean, they're just very basic clothes with like horizontal stripes, but I had all of these. Yeah. I think it was because I was an overweight teen 
and I couldn't fit into like the pants that like Gap and American Eagle in these places, but I could fit into their like shirts because I would just get like double X or whatever. So I had all the tops mm, mm-hmm. and I probably got my pants from like JC Penney's or something. I was going to say Sears. We only carry sizes one, three, and five. Try <laughs> Sears. I was brought back by Andy's date night outfit in this one. Like the skirt was kind of like had a sheen to it, had little flowers embroidered on it. And I feel like I had the exact same thing in a dress. I feel like I wore that to the eighth grade dance. I wore one of those choker things that looks like, a ta- you know, like the stretchy chokers that just came back mm-hmm. and curled my hair and I had a full mouth of braces. And when I look at those pictures, I'm like, that was a rough time. Yeah completely changing gears the thing that made me laugh was when jen was like do you want to bite in my subway then he's like no and she's like okay and she just puts it on the railing (laughs) raw dogs or sandwich on the railing over the water yeah the seagulls are getting that subway 100 percent. have you ever lived in an area with seagulls they are ridiculous scavengers the second you set food down they're coming and taking it away you don't even need to set it down they'll take it from your hand just gonna leave your sandwich there Yeah, you're very passionate about seagulls. <laughs> I I go to the shore a lot, and you cannot let them see your weakness. You cannot let them know that you have food. They'll be around you all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She clearly doesn't really want that Subway sandwich. She's just trying to give <laughs> it to Jack doesn't. or the seagulls or anyone who will take it. <laughs> Jen calls her mom. Her mom wants nothing to do with her. She's like, oh, no, I'm okay. Her mom was like, I don't think I'm prepared to have you in my life right now or something like that. And her dad was like, I'm still getting over the last time you lived here. Yeah. Harsh. As we recall, her father walked in on her having sex with Billy in his bed. And they sent her to Capeside to live with Grams to get some Jesus in her life. So Jen packs her bags. She decides she's going to go. She's going to leave Capeside. And she goes to Grams's house. To say goodbye. It's about to knock on the door. And she doesn't. And she just says, goodbye, Grams. And she leaves. That was a heartbreaking moment for me. Yeah. I didn't cry at that, but it was sad. (laughs) On the cry meter, it didn't get very high, but it was sad. (laughs) But that song is playing Cryophilia. Yeah. She just can't bring herself to say goodbye to Grams. So she goes to the bus station. That's it. Now, my question is, what do you think my question is? I don't know. How did Jack know she was at the bus station? Hmm. What did we not see? What scene got edited out? That's a good question. Because he comes running in a little rom-com moment. He comes running to the bus station to stop her. And it's so cute. But how did he know? How? Yeah, it must have been either Jen telling somebody else and then them telling Jack or Jen telling Jack or something. Maybe she put it in her aim away message. Probably. I'm leaving Cape Side forever. My bus leaves at 2.15 tomorrow. <laughs> Hit the celly. <laughs> now, when Jen is on the phone with her mother in the Leary household, I guess mm-hmm. I never noticed the Leary decor is very fish-focused. Nautical. Nautical, but not even nautical, like fish. <laughs> There's a swordfish portrait thing going up the stairs in the background. And then the light switch over Jen's shoulder is a dolphin or a fish. It's very weird. And do you remember they have a mermaid in their in their fireplace? I guess it's all Mitch's because he wants to start that restaurant called Kelp. Or he did at one point. It's really something I didn't notice. I'm going to have to go back and take a look. Mitch is obsessed with fish. And they also went fishing. Yeah, and he was not good at it and not comfortable there. So it's better in theory than in practice, I guess. Pacey won the trophy for them. 
He did, and his dad didn't care. As he does. Speaking of Pacey, was he wearing a crushed velvet shirt on the date? He was wearing something strange. It was very shiny. It read to me as velvet, but it was hard to tell. Yeah, it did look velvety. They really pulled out all the stops. Speaking of weird outfits, what is this necklace that Dawson wears? It's like a black pearl. And it's every day. <laughs> it's become his everyday necklace. For a while there, he had a couple. Now, Dawson is also wearing a white t-shirt and james vanderbeek's little muscles are popping out yeah i i brought this up last season i feel like of like we never see him without a shirt on and you're like why would we (laughs) who do we see without their shirts on but he's a man you know he's literally what like 25 like show it to us yeah star varsity blues hello mox mox he's got those little varsity blues muscles and he's building a stage yeah I love Assertive Jack. Jack has really taken the reins in terms of like what he's thinking, what he's feeling, where he stands with his father. And they have that conversation where his dad's like, we have to leave. There's no one here to help Andy and your mom. They need constant care. We have to go. And he said, I understand that you're confused with these gay ideas. And Jack was like, look, I'm happy. I want to remain happy. If I go with you, I'm going to try to make you happy because I want you to be happy and I'm not going to be happy. So I'm just going to stay here. I love that. Love that for him. Yeah. Jack is definitely coming to his own as a character. Mm -hmm. He's finding his way you know, he was introduced as Andy's brother, and then he had a through line as Joey's boyfriend, and now he's kind of standing alone. And he's cute. It's working for me. Me too. I think, you know, Jack and Jen are a lot of people's favorite characters. I mean, sure, when people think of Dawson's Creek, they think of Pacey and Joey, but, you know, Jack and Jen, they're pretty solid. They they shine through. I really did not like Jen the first two seasons, but then she just becomes so likable and funny. And Jack, Jack's always been great, but they start to hit their, and this is their origin story. I mean, we've seen little snippets of it, but they're roommates now. That's how we end with them here. I love them together. And I feel like they bring a lot out of each other. And I'm just excited that they're like, this really, they've been friends and they've been like in the friend group and they've had like little moments together but this i feel like is them really coming together as friend friends like one-on-one friends yeah they're super cute and she's we, we could assume that she's had gay friends before in the big city she's from manhattan <laughs> we talked about that when they chatted about how he couldn't get in the erection to have sex with joey yeah we talked about like maybe there was a layer there where like jen kind of knew before jack knew maybe jen knew that jack was gay she had a knowing, a knowing look. Yeah. I love when Pacey and Andy are in her room and she's like, I'm going to have to leave. And tomorrow, my dad wants me to leave tomorrow. And he's like, we'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow, but tonight will be magical. Oh, Pacey. So cute. Oh my God. I'm telling you, I don't know why this episode just hit me. So <laughs> good Lord. Their dance is so cute and sad. That's when she tells him, you know, I am going to leave with my dad tomorrow. I I'm not getting better here. It's for the best. We shouldn't say goodbye. And he's like, I know. He's He doesn't try to convince her. He knows she has to go. It's just so hard. They share a dance where they had their first dance and their first kiss. And ugh. you're going to start crying right now. Just thinking it's just about so it. sad because it's like circumstantial. You know, it's not it's not anything they did. It's they're kind of bystanders to it. Oh. I feel like part of the reason that it hits so hard is because they're both such good little actors. Meredith Monroe, she's so good. She is. It's 
really is amazing. Yeah. Because it's a, like a la- it's a layered acting. You know, it's it's kind of nuanced. I mean, she's sobbing, but she's not full body sobbing. Like I was watching it. it. They're just like tears that are coming out of her. And then when they say their goodbyes, something that Joshua Jackson does that I really love is they they're hugging. They're saying their goodbye. Well, he shows up. He wasn't supposed to show up because they said no goodbyes. And he just says, you know, kind of like I'll wait for you. One day you'll be healthy and we'll be together again and it'll be great. And they disengage from their embrace, I guess. And she walks towards the car and he does this nervous thing with his hands where he like reaches. For, it's like just so natural yes. and real. And I was just like, oh, give him the Emmy. I noticed that too. He is just, he puts those little, they all put little things on the character that are effective. Yeah. And then that last shot of Pacey and Jack in the rearview mirror is iconic or out the back windshield i know i just why i wonder what makes me more emotionally invested at 40 than i was at 16 i don't know we'll never know well you experienced love i guess (laughs) (laughs) and mental breakdowns you can relate on so many more levels yeah the goodbye between pacey and andy is the biggest and most emotional but i really liked the goodbye between mr mcphee and jack because Mr. McPhee finally gives him like a little breadcrumb and is kind of like, I know I'm not a great father and I want you to be happy, I think is the gist of what he says. He doesn't give him too much. He doesn't, you know, they don't sob in each other's arms, but it was a nice moment and I was happy for Jack. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't speak the same language. It's really sad, but you could tell that the dad wants to understand. It's just a generational thing that, I mean, we've talked about it, I think where we talked about in the two-parter where I feel like parents get a bad rap when they handle their kids coming out badly. But to me, the initial, I could forgive initial bad reactions because it's such a, sometimes it's such a whiplash moment. It's if they keep up the negative behavior over time, that's when I feel like it becomes clear that you have a right to be angry with them. But it's not just you that comes out because you're like, you're upending like your parents like dreams that they had for you like they what they pictured your life to be like you know i always feel like parents get a bad rap when they handle the coming out badly because everyone's human they're going to react the way they react you know it's if they keep that negative behavior up over time where it starts to become a little you know upsetting but the dad is starting to show cracks that he wants to accept jack he just can't wrap his head around it yeah i also feel like in a 2024 lens, it's very different than in a 1999 lens. Like in 1999, far fewer people even considered that was a possibility to have a child who was in the LGBTQ community. Like it was like, my child will grow up and they will marry someone and they will have kids and they will, you know, it was a very cookie cutter kind of way of life. And now not even that someone could be any sort of queer, but people don't get married. People don't get married you know like there are so many different ways that you could grow up Mm -hmm. like people don't assume now that their kids are going to get married or going to have kids or going to whatever like it's just less of a blow now i think like people are like well yeah well i feel like in this in the 70s 80s 90s when you said i was gay that meant like you're not going to have kids you're not going to get married and now that has changed so much you can have kids you can get married you can adopt you can do all of these things totally yeah totally you know surrogate you could do but then it was like when you told a parent you were gay, it was like you were crushing their dreams of like becoming a grandparent, right. of having a wedding. And, you know, weddings are a big deal to parents because it's like, you know, a lot of people think it's like their wedding just as much as it's there. When you came out, then you were lighting your parents' dreams on fire 
that they had for you your whole life. It was very different. So yeah, it wasn't a black and white thing. And I feel like this show always did a good job of that. Now it's like when you come out, it's like you're proud. And like Jack wasn't really proud to come out. You know, he just was like. Well, coming out in high school in the 90s, like it was scary. No. Like getting beat up. That kind of scary. Not like. Yeah. Going to college and coming out was like the stereotype like the trope mm-hmm. yeah totally well we have to talk about mike potter being a drug dealer oh my god you're right so he used to traffic marijuana but he's moved on to cocaine yeah or crack i don't really know drugs but it's white yeah and this it's so interesting to me that they directly mirror so like this is a penultimate episode of season two right they directly mirror the premiere of the series with joey finding out a family shattering secret or a life shattering secret about dawson now dawson is finding out one about joey you were so right yeah oh my I was god like, huh. you just blew my mind you just blew my mind it's pretty nuts dawson has this horrible secret just like joey had the horrible secret sins of the father and joey i feel like in the pilot episode they're going through all of these questions of like can our friendship last through these hormones blah 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 blah. and they're finally in a good place by the end of the episode and joey's feeling comforted by dawson and she's like everything's gonna be okay and then that bomb drops and in this episode dawson is like you're not gonna like me and she's like i like you so much and i can't wait and everything i am proud to be with you they have this moment of like everything is okay it's a very much so the same feeling where dawson is finally like oh everything is good and then the bomb drops i know what would you do? Oh, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. We can get into that more in next week's episode because Dawson really struggles with what to do, whether he should tell Joey or not. But we should mention Andy leaves, leaves. Like she's not in next week's episode. Andy's gone. That's a wrap on Meredith Monroe for now. So, and that might be also why it because in the rear view, you know how yeah. this is a little more serious. When maybe you watch it the first time, you're like, yeah, they'll be together. She'll come back next week. No. That's a great point. But Andy's leaving her sob. I know. I was wondering that. Is it Jack Snow? I hope so. And wait, I always get confused about this. Jack is younger. Okay. So I think Jack was originally meant to be a junior when they brought him on, like an older. But somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, they just both ended up being sophomores. So maybe they're like Irish twins or mm. I, I'm not really sure. But I think he was intended to be older, and then they both ended up in the same grade. Okay. Checks out to me. No questions here. <laughs> Do you know what else is funny <laughs> about the Joey, Dawson, Gail, Mike of it all? Gail was so brazen to be kissing Bob in their driveway, and Mike Potter is so brazen to be dealing cocaine in the back room of the ice house when Joey is working. Joey is outside working the patio. I mean... So brazen. If you're going to deal crack or coke, at least be smart about it. You just got out of jail. I have a lot more to say about that next week. Fine. So it's time for a creek speak. Creek speak? How exciting. What do we have? It's been a minute. We have a voice note. (gasps) Oh my God. How exciting. From Bailey. Bailey? Hey guys, my name is Bailey and I am watching Dawson's Creek for the first time and I happen to find your podcast and I'm so excited that I have this recap podcast to listen to because I need someone to talk (laughs) to talk with. Um, I just watched um, The Perfect Wedding and Rest in Peace, Abby Morgan. And when I tell you, I was rattled. I was 
I was rendered speechless. Like that scene must have shook a nation when it first came out. I was unwell. Um, so are there any other just completely crazy things the show is going to throw at me? Because that was um, wild. But I do have one question. I'm sorry if you guys explained it already, but can you explain why some of the music is different and why the theme song is different? And I know some of the names of episodes are changed. Like, why is that? Thank you, guys. We love that. We love that. And first of all, yes, there are going to be some life rattling moments. There's more coming. Absolutely. I mean, my life has been rattled, shook it numerous times. But first of all, okay, this is our third voice note. We love getting voice notes. Love it. We could probably be best friends with her. She sounds like she's on our level. I think we are, actually. <laughs> I love that she's watching it for the first time. I love that she asked about the music because we just talked about it at the beginning of this one. Why is the music different? We think because of licensing. Yeah, so I can speak to this a little bit because it's like part of music is part of the post-production process. And now the language in the contracts for music licensing, stock footage licensing, anything you're licensing it says we get to use this in worldwide perpetuity. And it basically means that no matter what form or version this project takes on, we get to keep this piece of music or whatever it is that we're licensing. We get to keep it in and use it forever because they didn't know then. Then it was like, we're licensing this for this show that's going to air. And if it ever airs again on the WB, right? Like it was like reruns and the first time it airs. There weren't DVDs, there wasn't streaming, they didn't know. So when those contracts came back, it was within the rights of the artist who licensed the song in the first place to say, okay, well, now that it's going to be this other thing, I want more money. And they weren't willing to do that. So they had to go out and swap all the music. And what was the other question? The episode titles. Oh, right. And probably the same, the episode titles were movie titles. So they likely had to license the use of that, I would guess. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was a licensing issue or if it's just because season one were all movie titles like Dirty Dancing, Breakfast Club, things like that. And I didn't know if over time they just didn't keep that up because I wouldn't think you have to get permission to name an episode after it, but maybe you do. You're right. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I don't think it makes sense for them to change them if there wasn't an issue. But what do I know? I think it's just season one titles that are changed, but I cannot confirm for sure. You've talked about how maybe Abby Morgan, rest in peace, was changed to rest in peace just because of spoiler culture. They didn't want people to get spoiled over the title. She's right on our heels. Bailey is. She just said she yeah. watched Abby Morgan, rest in peace and reunited. So the two apps right before this. Well, I was rattled by this goodbye scene. Again, you're going through an emotional time. I'm going through an emotional time. To me, there are two moments that stand out in this series as like, holy cow. And one of them is Abby Morgan and another one is coming. I know what you're alluding to. And <laughs> we got a lot we got a lot of flack for not including some of those moments on our best death, Dawson's draft. Yeah. But I said we didn't want to spoil, you know, we don't want to spoil, spoil too much. We don't want to spoil things about Dawson's. It's okay if we spoil other shows, I think. Yeah, yeah, completely. We don't want to talk about how Dawson dies. Just kidding. Can you imagine if they killed Dawson? I bet ratings would go through the roof. Yes. <laughs> Shall we do a Dawson's Draft? Let's do a Dawson's Draft. This week's category is Best Comfort Show. What is that show that you put on when you go to bed at night? You've seen it 10 million times. You know every line of dialogue. Your safe space. Your serenity show. Yes. You go first. I go first. I go first. I have to take The Office as my first pick because it is truly my comfort show. 
I used to watch it every night as I was going to sleep. I know every line. I know every episode. I know everything about it. And it's the perfect show for me to put on because I can just zone out because I know it or I can watch and still find it enjoyable. I know that's a lot of people's comfort show. I know a ton of people who go to bed to the office every night. My number one is Friends. I mean, what is there to say? I know I know all the jokes. I know everything, especially the first like five or six seasons. I just did a season five and six rewatch at Christmas. They're my friends. I love them. For number two, I think I'm going to take New Girl. It kind of is in the same category of like, I could put on any episode, any season. I know it. I love it. It's like hanging out with my friends, exactly like you said. Like, I love the characters. I love it. For my number two, well, I'm going to go with Dawson's Creek, of course. Damn it! I almost took that as my number two, and then I didn't. Especially seasons one through three, especially. I'm mad at myself. I don't need to elaborate because we have a podcast about it. Why didn't I take that? I don't know, especially over New Girl. What's your number three, Clarice? My number three is going to be Dawson's Creek. (laughs) (laughs) I think my number three is going to be the Kardashians. It's one (gasps) that like I can like throw it on. Sometimes when I'm going through deep, dark, depressive episodes, I'll do a rewatch from the beginning. I know why people feel that they are a bit problematic, but they're so great. I just think they're so funny. They're so easy to watch. And the show is so entertaining. There's something about it. I think it's a lot more layered and complex than people who don't watch it think because there is something, I know it sounds bad. There's something like schadenfreude about watching hot, successful billionaires (laughs) go through these problems that like we all go through yeah like hearing hearing them talk about you know their struggles it makes the, they're a lot more relatable than people think I, I i feel when it comes to their family dynamics and the sisters are always fighting and you know they lost their dad and they're a lot more relatable than people think it is comforting i love them i don't want to be as dramatic to say like i feel like i'm part of the family or anything <laughs> but when it goes off i feel sad when it goes off in between seasons yeah agreed like i, I feel a gap in my life for my number three, I mean, of course, I talk about it all the time. Sex in the City, I just put it on. It's just yeah. timeless for me. It never gets old. A lot of people don't think it's aged well. I do. I, I guess it just depends on, you know, your perspective. But it it actually, I've aged with it because I was like 16 and 17. So I couldn't really relate to anything. I really couldn't relate to anything on it. I wasn't in relationships or having sex with anyone. But the older you get, I think I I watch it in a different way now. That was on my list. For my number four, I'm going to take Grey's Anatomy. And I specifically mean the earlier seasons. I feel like those early characters I loved so much. There's something very comforting about them to me. There was one time where I laid in bed for an entire summer and watched the first 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy every day until I was through them. You know, it gets me through some stuff sometimes. Yeah, the first five seasons, especially, just very comforting. For my number four, this is a little bit of a left fielder. I've never talked about it in Dawson's Drive before. It's a show called Happy Endings. It's it was an ABC series that was on for three seasons, and it never really got traction. It was it was very popular with the fans who watched, but it never really got high ratings, and it was short lived. 
highly recommend it. Single camera comedy. The rewatchability is amazing. It's so good. Or amazing, as Casey Wilson's character would say. I just love it. It makes me happy. It makes me laugh. It never fails to make me laugh. I think for a number five, I'm going to take the Golden Girls. To be completely honest with you, my original comfort show was The Cosby Show. Anytime I watched like a scary movie or anything that unsettled me before bed, I would seek out an episode of The Cosby Show and put it on and that would like reset my brain. And I can't do that anymore. I literally, it makes me nauseous to watch him on screen, like knowing Mm -hmm. the person that he was. And so that was kind of taken over by the Golden Girls. If I ever need like that switch flip hard reset, like if I'm feeling really unsettled, the Golden Girls will always pull me out of it. Absolutely. It's so sad when when something happens to make you watch one of your favorite shows in a different light. Mm-hmm. I used to love the Cosby show and I love Golden Girls. I did just did a rewatch during pandemic. It is so funny. It is so good. So they do funny. not make them like that anymore. Well, that's a good segue into my number five, which I Golden Girls was on my list and also Girls was on my list. And also Roseanne was on my list. But it's kind of what you're saying. It's not that I can't watch Roseanne anymore. It's just different. Yeah. It's different, but I still laugh hysterically at at the original series, and I love it so much. But I will say that my number five is a show we have never talked about on Dawson's Draft, Catastrophe. Oh, I love Catastrophe. It's an Amazon series with Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney. I truly cannot recommend it enough. I laugh so much. I'm actually surprise we've never talked about that because catastrophe is the show that when people are like what shows are you watching i'm like have you ever watched catastrophe i feel like it's crowd pleaser it's just so good it is so good they are so funny they're so funny i do feel like it's not talked about a lot i I do feel like it's like a hidden little gem even though i mean everyone knows about it but like yeah no one talks about it so weird yeah it was a big show with big people like sharon horgan and rob delaney are both like very well-known people, but it's about two people who have a one-night stand and she ends up getting pregnant and they decide to make a go of it. And it is so good. He goes to England for a week on business. She's Irish, but he goes to England for a week on business and they have sex. I mean, it's not a one-night stand. They have sex the whole week, but then he leaves and he gets a call. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's gotten pregnant. And yeah, I mean, Carrie Fisher plays his mom. they, They got huge people for it. I just put it on and I laugh. I'm pretty sure you won this draft i'm sad and disappointed but i love my shows do you know what it is it's because you're busier and you don't need as much comfort as i do my list was the office new girl the kardashians gray's anatomy and the golden girls and my list is friends dawson's creek sex in the city happy endings and catastrophe good lists you know where you'll lose people is Kardashians, but you shouldn't lose people. I just think people have it wrong. I know that's a that's a very polarizing one, but it's just true. You took a risk. You took a risk. Mm. So what are you watching? Anything? Anything good? Good question. We're still watching Succession. We're into season three. Loving. Loving. Oh, I watched No Hard Feelings at the recommendation of you and our friend Mackenzie. Did you love it and die laughing? <laughs> It was really funny. It was really funny, really good, cute. It was like a good, all-around good movie. Rom-coms are back. 
And that's so funny because I was going to talk about how last night I saw anyone but you with Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney. How was it? I loved it. And I literally texted my friends and I think you after and said like rom-coms are back, anyone but you and no hard feelings like two because we went through a rom-com hit for a long time, but I feel like they're back kind of. But then I found out that a lot of people didn't like anyone but you. So maybe I'm like the exception, but I really enjoyed it. I will watch it. I love No Hard Feelings. Didn't you laugh out loud the whole time? Yes. And there is a scene. I don't want to spoil it, but. I know the scene. (laughs) Really just hilarious and surprising. I feel like it's very rare to be like surprised. Yeah. No Hard Feelings especially was like an unconventional rom-com. The pairing. I just really enjoyed it. I started The Patient with Steve Carell. Oh, interesting. What do you think about it? It's good so far. And the episodes are like 20 minutes. So I know a lot of people that worked on that. So I want to watch it. It it was so quick and easy. I highly recommend like I was on a plane when I watched the first episode. And I think I watched it in between the time they were like, we're preparing for landing. And by the time we like got off the plane, it was just a super fast. The pilot's like 21 minutes or something. Is it a comedy? It's not right. No, mm -mm, It's a thriller. It's a short dark, dark thriller. Yeah. It's just like a half hour drama. Oh, interesting. The only other thing I'll say that I have been watching, and this could go hand in hand with like comfort. Sometimes I'll go down YouTube rabbit holes and I have been binging the Tan France architectural digest of like they did a whole series on him and his husband, Rob, building their dream home in Utah. Mm -hmm. And it is the least relatable, most interesting thing to me. Like I love houses. I love decor. I love all that stuff. And just watching them and the amount of care and money that they are able to put into building this home is like ridiculous. It's crazy. It's beautiful. It's like a giant, huge dream home and they make it exactly what they want it to be. Now, where do you watch this? YouTube. Because I've seen, I've only seen clips on Instagram and TikTok. So I didn't know where it was. Yeah. Awesome. So what's our drink for next week? Next week for episode 222, the finale. Oh my gosh. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're at the finale. Anyway. It is called Parental Discretion Advised, and we will be drinking Backdraft, which is basically just a shot of Fireball whiskey with a Guinness chaser. We'll see how it goes. I love a Guinness. Yeah, that sounds good. That cannot be an 8 a.m. recording. No, it can't. But yeah, we'll be back next week for the finale. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.